Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to week one of the 2023 season's The Call. Doctor? Doctor. We're doctors. Yeah, you heard that right. We're uh, we're skipping the AFC West and the NFC West and the AFC and NFC South. The South. Mostly because they all suck. Yeah, or are very clear. Like, the AFC West obviously has the Chiefs in it. We like the Chiefs. They're good. The Chargers should be good. We think they'll be better. It all depends on Kellen Moore. If you think he's a top 10 coordinator, you think they're great. But then you have the Raiders. <laughs> Like, literally everywhere they suck. Yeah, and I think McDaniel... Except wide receiver. Except wide receiver. Yeah, and McDaniel has proven that his first stint in Denver was not just because he was inexperienced. I think he's just an idiot. They got really unlucky last year, but he also seems like kind of an idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we have the Denver Broncos. Well, when Stidham starts starting, they might be okay. Yeah, I think they'll just be fun. God, I think we're going to get some fun quotes out of that team this year. Yeah. NFC West? Yeah, NFC West. Um, the Cardinals might be the worst team of our generation. Yeah, they, they look bad. Uh, the Rams might have the worst defensive roster of our generation outside of Aaron Donald, which is a big like caveat, but still. like I don't think you can name another player on their defense. And if you can, you're, you need a life. I can name a few of them, but I'm not proud of it. And Matt Stafford is Matt Glassford. Yeah, uh, we thought he was going to miss time last year because of a deteriorating elbow, which was causing him to lose arm strength. But actually, he missed half the season due to a spinal contusion. So when you got a middle 30s quarterback with spine and arm problems... You can't count on them a ton. That said, I do think their offense will be pretty good. Their offensive line is low-key, like, legit good. Their wide receivers are deep, if completely unathletic. And Matt Stafford is great when he plays. But, yeah, this is this is a two-horse race between the 49ers, who are arguably the best roster in the NFL, with a very good backup quarterback starting, and then the Seahawks, who have a solid roster and a quarterback that got very lucky last year but didn't actually play that well. So if Geno Smith turns back into a pumpkin, it's the 49ers and a bunch of shit. No, I did it twice. No money. Yeah, no, it's it's just the 49ers and maybe the Seahawks if they get super lucky, but I doubt it. So there you go. That's the West divisions. And then the Souths is uh, the Texans really suck. Mm-hmm. And the Titans could be good if everybody stays healthy, but everybody's old and decrepit and won't stay healthy. And their offensive line sucks. Low-key, maybe the best defensive roster in the NFL. Low-key. I love their secondary. We'll get into it when you talk yeah, about we'll the we'll talk games. about them. We'll talk about them. But there are things to like about the Titans, but they will fall apart. Uh, the Jaguars are good good because Lawrence can't suck worse than he did. Like, Lawrence sucked for the first half of the year last year, and they were still a good team. And he was really good in the second half of the year. If that continues, the Jaguars are going to be a really good team. And then who else is in that division? What do you mean? You're forgetting about the Colts? Yeah, so that's it. Anthony Richardson couldn't have a winning season at Florida in college last year. He's not going to do it with one of the worst rosters in the NFL in the NFL. I think that's pretty simple. Yeah, I think they'll have a rough year. Granted, I'm sure he'll have some incredibly exciting plays. Totally. He's, He's Cam Newton Reduck. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of exciting plays both ways, though. I don't. Either way, a lot of exciting plays with Anthony Richardson. A lot of losses, though. How many times are you going to say they could have exciting plays with Anthony Richardson? I'm hoping for three more. So then we go to the NFC South where the Panthers are low-key a disaster. Bryce Young looks worse than I thought he would look, and I didn't think he would look good. And Iki Iquanu is a traffic cone. We told you. To- yeah. Remember when we Mostly told you, Joe. PFF? We told you. Um. So the, the Panthers are going to kind of suck. Um, 
The Falcons are going to suck because they don't have a quarterback, and they have half of an offensive line in pass protection. Like, their offensive line is sick in run blocking, but that's... And their defense sucks ass, too. They got Jeff Okuda starting. <laughs> I forgot about that. The Lions cut him, and the Falcons were like, oh. So, yeah, they're going to suck, and then... Tampa Bay actually has a pretty damn good roster. They just have an all-time bad coaching staff. They will not throw the ball, so it will not matter. Baker will be in another year of hell. That tight end on Florida falling... We have the Florida-Utah game on in the background. The tight end on Florida just fell on third down with like 10 yards to go and nobody around him. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coaching staff running halfback dive every single play despite having really good risk and a good quarter. How many years are they going to take off your life when Baker plays well, but it doesn't matter? None. Any people? First of all, I'm completely resigned to this fate. Baker Mayfield will go he will just fade off into the night and nobody will pay attention to him. Also, I found the power of magnesium, which will allow me to sleep, finally. That's important and I'm proud of you. Growth, Joe. I think the Saints will be kind of good. Just because, like, the Saints were kind of good last year with Andy Dalton and they were kind of good the few years before with combinations of Jameis Winston and bad Drew Brees. And Taysom Hill. And Derek Carr is easily the best quarterback they have had in the last six years. Like, basically since Drew Brees fell off a cliff. Terrifying thing to think about. So, and, and like Derek Carr is arguably the best quarterback in that division. I think he's certainly second to Baker, but it's debatable. So you give him the best defense and arguably the best offensive skill position. Because like, yo, Michael Thomas is going to play football. Today. Yeah, it seems like it. Allegedly. So yeah, we just did four divisions for you in five minutes. And that's why we didn't spend separate pods on them. You want to talk about picks? Yeah, let's get into picks. All right, first up, Thursday night, September 7th, week one, the Detroit Lions going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus six and a half. I think we crowned the Lions way too quick to even have them on this. I agree. Like, we recall they didn't make the playoffs last year. Right, they still don't have Jamison Williams. Maybe exclusively because of a very upsetting Baker Mayfield interception. But still, this is a team that got trounced by the Sam Darnold-led Carolina Panthers late in the season, fighting for their playoff. Bounced, I said. Uh, yeah, no, I just, we talked about the Lions. The Lions are, the Lions are a bad defense and a very good offense, but the problem is that their very good offense is built exclusively on a very amazing offensive line and a very amazing football mind in Ben Johnson. They have a shitty, well, they have a low-end starting quarterback and they have mid-wide receivers. Like, they're not, they're not explosive on offense for the reasons that typically last. They're explosive on offense because they found lightning in a bottle with an amazing coach who's on his way out already. And so I just don't, I don't see any way in which the Lions get better on offense this year just because it's all about Ben Johnson's ideas, right? And like, I think he caught the world by storm a little bit last year. And there's so I don't think there's any way Ben Johnson got more creative and more innovative and more unique. I think that if anything, he stayed the same or got a little bit worse because people got tape on him and can catch up a little. That makes sense to me. I think that's what typically happens. And you're playing against the Chiefs. And yeah, there'll be a Super Bowl hangover, sure. But dude, the Chiefs are so much better. We're talking yes. multiple tiers. Yes. The the Chiefs are the top of the league. Expect to be a Super Bowl contender, possibly the favorite again. And the Lions are an exciting team that has shown some life after being really bad for a while. But honestly, it feels like when the Browns started to look good yep. and everyone started to pump them and talk about how amazing they were. And, you know, admittedly, I bought into it a little bit. Yeah, Not, we, we may have bought into it. We yep. had a, we have a podcast documenting the fact that we bought into it. Yep. Um, so I get it. We've seen it before. And they're just not there yet. 
they're on the way, but they still need a quarterback before they can be taken seriously. And Jamison Williams. Yes. And by, by the way, by the way, getting suspended almost half a season because you bet on college basketball while in a hotel room is remarkably stupid. I agree. It seems like it's uh, kind of losing the point of the no gambling on sports thing. Well, it's it's because it's in a facility, a team facility. I right. I get get why like what the the definition of the suspension was. It's tyranny. But I think it's just a little silly in that you're trying to you know stop people from betting on games that they don't give you know hints basically or have inside information in the market. But they're not going to. It's college basketball. Yeah. It's so stupid, it almost feels like a cover for something else. Like, maybe he... Well, this is going on YouTube, so I'm not... Maybe he did something else worse than that, and they're like, uh, fuck, just say he gambled, I don't know. I don't know, but since they suspended so many people for that this yeah. offseason, I think they're just want to be really, really tough on it. Maybe to draw a line, because it is going crazy right now. But... I think that's dumb. Anyway, that's not football. So basically, here's here's what I think about this game. I don't think the Lions are going to stop the Chiefs once. I was going to say, the only one stopping the Chiefs' offense is the Chiefs. Like, okay, the Lions have one defensive lineman who makes any difference, and that's Aiden Hutchinson. And he's in his second year, and he's a good player. But he's like Joey Bosa level, not Nick Bosa level. I agree. He's not wrecking a game. And the Lions have no corners. They have no corner. Like, okay... C.J. Mosley and Cameron Sutton both were decent corners in other scenarios where they played a lot of zone in really sheltered looks. Aaron Glenn runs more man than anybody but Brian Flores. So you're taking corners that are okay in easy situations, and then you're putting them in the toughest situations against the most creative best team. Then you're also asking either your crappy linebackers, most of whom are white, or your crappy safeties. What's that got to do with anything, Joe? Well, they're trying to cover Travis Kelsey. Also white. Doesn't count. Why not? He's from the same place I am. He's black by association. (laughs) He went full circle. He appropriated culture so hard that he actually became part of the culture. It's it's Rachel Dolezal's dream. You know, yeah, I think he's a a really, really likable guy. Enough about racial politics. Uh, Basically, yeah, just don't see how the Lions can stop the Chiefs at all. And even without Chris Jones, I think that the Chiefs will be able to stop Jared Goff a few times. Yeah. I agree. I think that the the Lions do have a lot of interesting options, especially in the short game. Yeah, you shipping know, it down to Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, so I think that's going to give them some run-after-the-catch ability, and the Chiefs aren't great in that sector. But overall, the Chiefs are just so... Like we were saying at the beginning, it's just a different tier. Now, there are other bets I like better, so I don't think that I want to lay a touchdown, but I definitely think that the Chiefs are the side in this one. Like, I lean Chiefs. Yeah, even at six and a half, I think as long as you're under a touchdown. Now, the only thing I worry about is there is a bit of Super Bowl hangover. The Chiefs might be content just winning. They get out to a couple score lead and then just let the game run out, let the Lions complete a bunch of short passes, chug down the field to try and give themselves a chance, and then Mahomes closes it out late, but I don't know if it'll be a touchdown. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. That that that's why that's why this is a lean for me and not a like. But you know what I think this game definitely is? Do it. And moving on to Sunday. The first game on Sunday, the Houston Texans go to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are minus nine and a half. 
this game's going to suck. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be fun. Unless you're a Ravens fan that just wants to watch them score a lot of touchdowns. That'll uh, be fun. Two things. One, this is a drop-dead anchor leg. Like, this isn't a drop-dead leg because the drop-dead leg technically has to be, like, six or seven points so you can get decent value or at least tease it. This is a good anchor. Like, if you want to move a line by a point, toss, you know, parlay Baltimore money line with, you know, the alt line moving it down through a key number. And I think that that's decent value on the anchor. But what's going to happen is the, the Texans offensive line, I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it was not, it was okay-ish to begin with. And then it got hurt. So like they're missing Kenyon Green. I think they're missing their center. That's tough. So they, their interior offensive line sucks ass. And then they basically have one okay tackle and one great tackle. So... The Ravens are just going to run train on them. Houston won't move the ball. Stroud's going to throw picks because what does Stroud do when he panics? Bad picks. Yeah, he does bad things. He panics a lot and he panics badly. Oh, dude, that Buffalo is so cute. We killed all of those things, man. You killed all those things. We used every piece of him. We weren't here yet. We killed a lot of them. We killed we we killed a lot of them. What? Apparently, Buffalo were going to go extinct before the white man got here. Like, if the white man never came, they still would have gone extinct just because of overhunting. Because they were too good for hunting. They weren't just really easily hunted animals. You could run them off cliffs. They would run them off cliffs and then just pile up the meat at the bottom. And they're so big. And they're tasty as fuck. Mm-hmm. Very warm. God damn it, Buff. That's a little teaser for Monday night. Uh, yeah, so in this game, the Ravens defense is going to run train on Houston. It's going to look bad. And then a fun angle that I have, uh, shout out Arjun Menon, is the Ravens are going to win by a lot, and they're going to look good. And then after that, weeks two and three, the Ravens play actual opponents, and there will be a ton of value fading the Ravens. Because I think this offense is going to, we think this offense might actually suck with Lamar Jackson passing more. And it's going to succeed against Houston because everything will. And then after that, we pounce. I think that's smart. That's enough talking about this game. Absolutely. Next up, another riveting game. The Carolina Panthers go to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are minus three and a half. Ooh. Yeah, in the Super Contest, it's Falcons minus three for some reason, which is dumb. Regardless, this is, I, I'm not biting into a three and a half, but I do think the Panthers are going to look really bad. This is a terrible game. Don't watch this game. It's going to be so ugly. Atlanta's going to run the ball so much. Carolina might actually be able to stop. I mean, last year, they were able to stop the run really well. Yeah, and I think that'll last because they got, uh, I don't want to fuck his name up. Ejiro, the guy from Denver last year, African name. Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a funky name, but he's really incredible. He's a really smart defensive coordinator. He's really incredible at creating simulated pressures. So bringing linebackers and dropping linemen into coverage in creative ways, like the new age Dick LeBeau. Um, I think his last name is Everett, but he's a really impressive defensive coordinator. He will have that defense humming. That defense has a strong front seven. They will stop the run. The Falcons will only run because that's what they do. FedEx boy loves to run. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Arthur Smith's dad founded FedEx. Ejiro Evero? That's my guess. Yes, Ejiro Evero. Is some African sounding? Sure. Or French? I have no idea. It's not English related. I don't think so, but I'm not that kind of doctor. Doctor. I think I lean, honestly, Carolina. I do, I do too. Simply because they're at three and a half. Wait, no, I don't. I lean Atlanta. Mm. I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly game that will be decided by a field goal. Yeah, but I get the better field goal kicker with the Falcons, Young Ho Koo. We know we're in a young way, but Young Ho is so cool. Uh, and also, in a game between shitty teams, I like to bet on the team that has the best unit overall. And the Falcons' run game is the best thing going in this whole game. Bijan will be a revelation. Yeah, and even if he's not... Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algiers were like really efficient because Arthur Smith, I don't like him, 
but he can scheme up a run game. The Panthers are really good at stopping the run, though. They wonder Matt Rule. Do you think that's going to change a ton? No. No, I don't at all, actually. Yeah, and so I think it's I think it's going to be a good running team versus a good running defense. So it's Big Ten football? Yes. So we don't bet three and a half on Big Ten football? Yeah. So I mean, like, if I'm taking anything, I'm taking the the points because at three and a half, if it ends a 17-14 Atlanta game, I win. Sounds like next game. Sounds like it. Next up, we have the Cincinnati Bengals going to play the Cleveland Browns. What's the line, Doctor? The Browns are plus two and a half. What? In the Super Contest, it's Bengals minus one and a half. So that line is moving towards the Bengals because Joe Burrow practiced today. Yeah, he posted an Instagram post. Okay, Joe Burrow posting something on Instagram and a line moving an entire point is so emblematic of the Joe Burrow saga, I want to puke. What are you thinking on this game, Joe? This game is tough. This is this is one of those games where there is a bet to make. I don't know what it is, but this podcast was invented to help us figure it out. We know that the Browns are historically pretty goddamn good against the Bengals. They are. But why? They have good cornerback rooms that can match up with the wide receiver power of the Bengals. Emerson was created in a lab to shut down T. Higgins. Like, that's that's a perfect matchup. But who guards Jamar Chase? Greg Newsom? Is Denzel Ward still out? Well, I, you don't want 5'9 Denzel Ward on Jamar Chase. He's done well on him in the past. You know, he actually really has. Like, like he's not. Yeah, like, he's not, you know, perfect against him, but he's done pretty well. I'm pretty sure he was damn near perfect against him on Halloween last year. I know because that was the first day I lived in this apartment. Oh, uh-huh. that was a terrible day. Remember how foggy it was? Yeah, I do. So, Denzel Ward is questionable because he got a concussion in the preseason game against the Chiefs. He'll play. It's two weeks. Yeah, I would assume. So, you've got a really good secondary to help shut down that fierce receiving core. And the Bengals, I heard a fun stat. The Bengals led the league in rushing success rate last year. So like runs of more than four yards. But they were last in the league in runs of over 10 yards. So just no matter what, they're getting like four or five yards. Strange. That's power backing. Joe Mixon, just punch you in the mouth. I guess. And their line really wasn't that good. So they weren't creating like massive holes. I just feel like on paper, the Bengals should be better at handling the Browns because the Bengals are a really stout run defense team. Like they've got a good defensive line with good rangy linebackers and a very good defensive coordinator. But the Browns do have a lot of success running against them historically, like time and time again. So the Browns have the historic advantage. I think the Bengals probably match up better on paper, especially now that they got that sick offensive line. So, like, if the Bengals' offensive line can't neutralize this Browns' defensive line, nobody will be able to. And that's possible. The Browns' defensive line is really good, and Jim Schwartz is amazing. So, it's going to be a fierce combo. It's but, crazy what a difference he here makes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think that the Bengals will hold They'll hold up. Man, this is a tough game. I, I am having a really hard time on this game who's because... Got, who's, who's got the better quarterback? Bengals do. Who's got the better coach? Probably the Bengals. Who's got the better defense? Ooh. It is tough. His, it's think, been the Bengals. We need to see a big upgrade from the Browns this year to beat the Browns. Sure, but I think theoretically it's the Browns because... <laughs> that's, not, that's not a bad take. Because they've had pieces of a good defense for a while. Yep. And, you know, Miles Garrett is still there and very good. Three play. Denzel Ward, still there. Very good. Yeah, and not hurt yet. Well, already hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Greg Newsom, good. Hasn't been paid, still good. Martin Emerson. 
good. Good. But the issue was their interior defensive line yep. and their safeties. And it's been got, their problem for years. Now they got Juan Thornhill, and then they got who are they starting at defensive tackle? Dalvin Tomlinson and then Jordan Elliott's not starting. Don't I, tell me that. I don't think. Let me let me go to their official depth chart. It is Jordan Elliott. Internally screams. I imagine Shelby Harris or Mohurst will take over because Mohurst on the practice squad. I know they they. I thought they were putting him back on the active roster once they put some guys on the. They, IR. Prob- they probably will, but he's on the practice squad as of today. I know, but he was really good for them, and they said they loved him. PFF wanted him to go in the first round. Side note: College football is terrible. It's not even football. That's some good hand-eye coordination by that linebacker or whomever. But yeah, bad football. Shelby Harris is good, just kind of old. But Dalvin Tomlinson is probably the best defensive tackle they've had there in how many years? Since Sheldon Richardson's first year? Probably, yeah. His first year he was good, and then after that he kind of didn't want to play football. He just liked screaming. I love Big Shell, though. He was a good guy. Yeah, this game is fucking tough, dude. I don't know. I don't think I can find a bet. I kind of want to bet Bengals, but here's the other thing. Joe Burrow hasn't fucking practiced all preseason. And uh, Browns fans love talking about how rust matters. <laughs> I don't know how much it matters. I just think they're very even teams as it is. And why move the line a point, you know? Yeah, I think Burrow will be a little rusty or maybe a little tender. How much of a difference does that really make? I don't know. I think that the real X factor in this game is that uh, Kevin Stefanski is finally going to open up the offense. Said for the fourth time well on the athletic podcast i was listening robert mays dropped a stat the browns operated out of five wide empty no running back more than any other team by like a wide margin in the preseason and for a second i was like oh my sweet christ is he really gonna do it is he gonna open up the offense and i remembered no nick chubb was not playing as soon as nick chubb's back they're gonna be like well we got we can't take nick chubb off the field Mm-hmm. We pay for this offensive line, and Nick Chubb, we got to run. And honestly, go fucking head and open up the offense. Make my day. Th- throw the ball. I want to see it. I dare you. I mean, their their options are way stronger this year. Oh, their wide receiving core is the best I think it's probably ever been. I mean, they had some of these same guys there last year, but I think DPJ and Njoku are both guys that are still getting better. And then Elijah Moore in the slot gives them a legitimately good and explosive slot with Amari Cooper, who's the... Is Amari Cooper the best wide receiver in Browns history? It's only 24 years. Shut up. You know that to be true. I'll walk off. Search your feelings. I'll walk off. Search your feelings. And we're back. After some coaxing, I've decided this is not the time or the place. It's time to talk football picks. Do we have a final pick on this Browns-Bengals game? I fucking game, dude. I absolutely cannot do it. I want to bet Bengals, but I don't like the Bengals in general, so I can't get myself over that hump. Yeah, I, I can't do it because I think the Browns are a good team that is kind of a quarterback away. Yeah. And that quarterback, I expect him to be better than he was last year because he was so bad last year. Legitimately, I don't think he could theoretically be worse. But I don't know how much better he does get. Yeah. And when you're playing another good team with, and we can argue about how good Joe Burrow actually is, but is at least a top seven guy. So when you have a quarterback that's been very bad and you hope will return to form, which is like, Kind of mediocre. And we have a quarterback that 
a lot of people think is great, and I think that he is about mediocre. Like, See, if, if I'm right about Joe Burrow and I'm so fucking low on him, I'm incredibly low on him. If I'm right, he's significantly better than anything we've seen from Deshaun Watson in like two years. Exactly. So that's what I mean in when you get this close in talent between these teams, that makes a big difference. And the Browns now have to play much cleaner football. They can't make as many mistakes. But they're a better team than they were last year. And last year lot. they beat the Bengals yeah. with Jacoby Brissett. It's, they just, for whatever reason, they seem to kind of have them figured out. They get it. You say you want to bet the Bengals. I kind of want to bet the Browns, but I refuse to do it. Our, our good friend of the podcast, Alonzo, bet the Browns because they always play the Bengals tough. They do. I mean, week one, anything can really happen. And I think you're getting a home dog, even though it's two and a half. Anything under three doesn't matter. Eh, still. Yeah. And given the kicking situation in Cleveland, I know they got Dustin Hopkins, who has been traditionally good, just hurt. Yeah, he's really good. But you never know. Old kickers going to new places, sometimes it's just kind of lost. And, and since he's got one of those spuds. And they do. Who McPherson. Who had a tough second year, but was really good the first year. So we'll see, but I think that point could matter. I think just getting the, the points, though. The fact that we're getting down to kickers means we don't have a bet on this game, unfortunately. No. Eileen Browns, it sounds like you lean Bengals. But I wouldn't be shocked to see any result in this game. Next up, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are plus two and a half. All right, so we're getting the 49ers under a field goal Yep. against the Steelers? Yep. Why? What am I missing? Maybe hesitancy about Brock Purdy and the Steelers always are good on defense? I don't know. People who, are expecting big things out of Kenny Pickett. Who is playing cornerback for the Steelers? Uh, Patrick Peterson? Yeah, Patrick Peterson is probably their best corner right now. Yes, he legitimately is. Who's their second? Levi Wallace. Oh, they got Levi Wallace, who's like a C plus B minus like low end starter. You think they're gonna uh, think they're gonna do really well covering Debo Samuel and Brendan Ayuk and George Kittle? No, I do not. And Christian McCaffrey? Nope. I don't know who the fuck is playing linebacker for the Steelers. Currently, that's uh, I think it's Cole Holcomb. Cole Holcomb? Cole Holcomb, nothing. Correct. And, no way. Landon Roberts, wow. Okay, yeah, so they have really bad linebackers. And part of the reason that the linebackers always look bad in Pittsburgh is because they play really exotic zones that leave a lot of room in the middle for the linebackers to cover, and it's just kind of impossible to do so. And it makes the life of the cornerbacks easier, but it makes it really tough on everybody inside. I've come around on Minka Fitzpatrick a little bit. I think he's pretty good starter. I think he's still a little overrated. People talk about him like he's elite. I think he's good. Big shift. Big shift for me. I, mean, I thought he sucked for a long time. Mm-hmm. But, no, he's a, he's palatable. He's a good starter. Yeah. And then the defensive line is unreal, right? TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, your boy. Love him. Cam Hayward's still out there. Cam Hayward just refuses to stop being an incredible defensive tackle. Big Larry playing three-tech. Larry Ogunjobi. Five-tech. Looking good, too. Uh, He still plays kind of three. Yeah. I love Big Larry. Yeah, no, so that's like a really good defensive line. The one thing that scares me is that the 49ers do have a, how do we say this, donkey penis offensive line. 
It is. It's kind of Trent Williams, and then a bunch of bo- and then a bunch of shit. They found some overweight guys, and we're like, "You can. You're an offensive line, right?" And they're like, "Actually, this is Weight Watchers. That's offensive. They might not even be fat. That might be why they suck." We can find out. Jake Brendel, not fat. Two ninety nine. He's a center though. Spencer Burford. Spencer only. Burford's actually not the worst thing that ever happened. He's three hundred as well. And then Aaron Banks. 325. He's a big boy. And last, Colton McKivitz, also 301. Got a bunch of guys riding that 300 line. That's a really bad line, dude. In today's and, NFL? And they have to block up T or J. They have to block up TJ Watt, and they have to block up Alex Highsmith. And Cam Hayward. But Kyle Shanahan knows that, and he's been planning for that all summer. I agree. Do we think there's a world in which the Pittsburgh Steelers win this? I don't. I don't think it looks great for them. Because, yeah, the Steelers' defense should be able to give the 49ers some fits. I think the 49ers are going to be able to score, but it's not going to be like some of these other games like Baltimore or Kansas City that are just going to be able to score at will. However, you go to the other side of the ball, and the 49ers still have a really good defense. Fuck, that's a good defense. Like, really good defense. Arguably the best defensive line in football. It's up there. I think the Eagles are probably better. It's pretty crazy, though. They got Hargrave. Mm Mm-hmm. And they got Nick Bosa. And those are two elite players at their positions. And then they still have Eric Armstead, mm-hmm. who's a good starter. Who's their second edge right now? Drake Jackson, who they drafted. Drake Jackson is starting? I love Drake Jackson. That's what it says on PFF. Hell yeah. Drake Jackson was a five-star recruit to USC. He's got some of the best bend and change of direction skills I've ever seen out of a prospect. Like, really true. Not, not like blow your mind how is this happening level, but like really good. Almost Nolan Smith level bend. But he's six foot five, and he came into the NFL last year at like two hundred and thirty pounds. And this summer, he's gained twenty five pounds of muscle. And the whole thing was that just at USC, he never got trained up; like he n- never really matured physically. UFC USC did that a lot. Yeah, no, it's a consistent problem with USC, like in the last regime before they got Lincoln Riley. So we got a freak athlete who already had great traits, who now is in better shape and has a year of really good coaching and training. And is next to three really, really good players. Exactly. So, like, I think that's an Alex Highsmith role for him, where, like, Alex Highsmith, as a rookie and as a second-year player, like, good player, but was way more efficient than he probably deserved to be just because he was in such a great environment. And then he grew into his efficiency stats and became that player. For sure. And I think that Drake Jackson's about to break out in a similar way. Uh and then the Steelers' offensive line is not that much better than the San Francisco 49ers' offensive line. Like, they got the rookie right tackle out of Ohio State. Uh, they're going to roll with the guy whose name I can't pronounce at left tackle again for the third straight year. Just defying all odds. Who's their left tackle? Chooks. Chucks. A core four. Yep. Go across the line. Uh, then you have James Daniels. James Daniels is good. Right guard. You have Mason Cole at center. Mediocre. And then Isaac Samalo at left guard. Okay, so it's actually a lot better than the 49ers line, but it's not good enough to handle this 49ers D-line. And the tackles are weak. Dan Moore's shitty. The core four is okay. Are they not starting the guy out of Ohio State? Nah. Uh, the rookie. I mean, on PFF, no. I can go find the... Nah, it's not worth it. If it's even a question, that's not a good sign. And even if it is the rookie, welcome to the NFL kid, Nick Bosa. So, that's going to be tough. Yeah, they have Broderick Jones second on the wow. depth chart right now. Wait, no, that's the wrong guy. No, that's Broderick Jones. That's it. Broderick Jones went to Georgia, though. I know, but I always get him confused with the two OSU guys. Paris Johnson went to the Cardinals. Dewan Daywan Jones. Jones went to the Browns. 
he must really be a piece of shit to have fallen that far in the draft. He was a first-round talent. Yeah, I mean, he's reports are he's been incredible in Cleveland. He looked really good preseason games. It's a conspiracy. Goodell wants Watson to succeed. Uh, the Steelers' offense basically runs through their incredible wide receivers in spite of their, let's say, low-end starting quarterback and their extremely conservative offensive coordinator. The 49ers want you to play that way because if you throw the ball short, they can come up and tackle you. If you go deep, they actually have to cover, and that's not what they're built for, really. I don't, I don't like the 49ers' cornerbacks. No, that is the one-week part. It's just that it hasn't really mattered because their cornerbacks have been bad for, like, a while. Yeah, well, because they, they've, at least under uh, Houston head coach, D'Amico Ryans, they ran a lot of cover three, and they just got their defensive backs back in space, you know? And then they blitzed and made up for the fact that they couldn't really cover with pressure and safeness. They got Wilkes as their defensive coordinator now. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's not great. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, is he going to ruin another awesome set of defensive players? He might. Granted, I don't I don't think Wilkes is, like, the worst. Like, he's not Joe Woods level. No, he's not Joe Woods. I just think that he's not good. He's mid as fuck. Yeah. But if you're ever going to play really soft coverages the way he did, it's probably when you have shitty defensive backs. So, at least it fits. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't think the the Steelers will be able to score very much. No, I just don't, I don't think that they'll be able to keep Kenny Pickett clean and to the extent that and they know that, right? So Matt Canada is their offensive coordinator. He sees this defensive line on the schedule and he says, "Oh, I got to get the ball out of Kenny's hands quick because that's just how he's wired already and this is just another reason to be that way." So they're just going to be throwing drags and slants all day, dude. And then you're going to have Hufunga and the best linebacking core in the NFL coming up and making hits, sticking dudes, and you're never getting first downs. If you make one mistake, it's over. By the way, Kenny Pickett, one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen processing zone defenses specifically. Wilkes is going to run a lot of zone. You're beating me to it because I already see what you're doing on the computer. I think that we've got our first bet of the year. I agree. San Francisco. All right, my, uh, we're living in my own personal hell. San Francisco 49ers, minus two and a half, is my first bet of the year. Absolutely. Feel great about it, too. I hate San Francisco so much. I know. They just keep doing this to me. It's not even the team that I don't like, guys. It's a very personal thing. Anyway, uh, next game. Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals going to play the Washington, probably, Commanders. No, they said they're, they're going to speed the Commanders forever now. Really? I thought they said they were going to... Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I cried a little bit. I might have missed that news intentionally. Washington, minus seven. So, you already know. This one is a... I just don't think that the Cardinals are going to win any games. I don't think they want to. We're high on the Commanders because we love Sam Howell. Oh, Sammy boy. Yes, we're really high on the Commanders, and obviously we're really low on the Cardinals. I just... I don't want to lay seven. Yeah, especially when... Washington, a lot of new stuff. Howell played one game last year. Biennemi is finally calling plays as the sole offensive coordinator. Offensive line is scary. Yeah, so I think there's too many questions to say, yeah, we'll, we'll lay seven, even if it's against a team that probably wants to lose this game. No, dude, they, they really believe in Josh Dobbs. That's why they acquired him a week ago. I was going to say, and we'll see. This is going to be, so full disclosure, personal bets. I have the money line, Washington money line in this, as one leg of a very large parlay that I'm playing for three units this weekend. Or, you know, week one. We'll get to the next game, or the other game later. But let's not dwell upon this game. It's the Cardinals. It's the Cardinals against a team we like. Yep. Moving on. 
Next up, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are minus six. Couple of pod favorites, Baker and the Cock. Absolutely. Sounds like a really bad morning show <laughs> on radio. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is that is the radio show on your local classic rock radio station. Mm-hmm. I don't want to touch this game. Me either. Too many coaching variables with the Buccaneers. If anything, I think there's value on the Buccaneers because Baker is serially underrated. But then the problem is, like, will Dave Canales throw the ball? And Minnesota is a team that is much more consistent they've been pretty stable we know they won't stop anybody but they will move the ball every drive and the bucks will stop themselves plenty on well how can you throw the ball if you haven't set up the run by punting four straight drives i was about to say and not really being that good at running the ball yeah i don't want to touch it i'll watch it i'll certainly watch it yeah i think it'll be a fun game in terms of interest and narratives, but yeah. I think it'll it could be a like an actually good game because Tampa's roster is talented. But that's the thing. If Dave Canales is a pretty good, if he's an average offensive coordinator, I think the Buccaneers could have like a top fifteen offense, easy top ten offense, maybe, maybe, maybe. They got really good receivers. They've got Kate Otten at tight end, who's like at least serviceable. Sure. And then with the, they've got Baker, who we think is good. We do, though my my questions about his decision-making continue to grow. I mean, they get worse every day. Exactly. But that's so, off the field. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's really smart off the field. just doesn't really work the other way. Fair. He's Baker's reverse of that. Yeah. He's a fucking idiot who makes decent decisions on the football field and has ridiculous arm talent. Anyway, next game. Next game. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are plus five. All right, here's the other end of that drop-dead leg parlay. Jaguars, money line. Ooh, I like it. Commanders, money line. Ooh. You tie those bitches together, it's minus 106 on FanDuel. That's a really good bet. That seems pretty... That's that's why that's three units. Yep, that seems like a pretty, pretty safe one. Wood has been knocked. I also knocked on the microphone so they know. I'm glad. Yeah, no, like, I, I'm with you. The Jaguars have had the Colts number for the last, like, three or four years when the Colts were actually good, and they kept on just losing in unfathomable fashion to the really bad Jaguars, like, even before Trevor Lawrence. Well, now the Colts suck, and the Jaguars are the good ones. And it ain't so funny when the monkey's got the gun. Rabbits got the gun, Joe. No, this is a monkey. Rabbits don't have opposable thumbs. Monkeys do. Remember that video of the monkey taking the machine gun in the camp full of, like, African pirates and just (laughs) firing it off randomly? I have seen that. Yeah. Much more dangerous than a rabbit. So, I just don't see how the Jaguars lose outright. I think Anthony Richardson's going to really struggle. I think that defense is going to suck. And even to the extent that Shane Steichen's a genius and makes something of that offense, I think that the Jaguars are going to score at will. They're adding Ridley. They got another year in the system. Trevor Lawrence is better than he was this time last year by a lot. I, I just, it seems pretty tight. Yeah. It seems like a pretty tight parlay right there. Yeah, Indy's going to be bad. I mean, no Jonathan Taylor for at least the first four weeks. They don't have many good players. They have some exciting ones or interesting ones in Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. But they're just a bad team. Jacksonville's solid. They're a, they're a fringe playoff team. It's different tiers. It's like when we were talking about the Thursday night game between the Lions and the Chiefs. It's just different levels of football right now. So we got a DDL parlay. 
Washington and Jacksonville. Now here's the thing. I kind of like the Jaguars minus three and a half, and that's what inspired this bet. Like, it's a lean for me. Them at what number? I got three and a half. Well. What do you have? I have it as four and a half. Oh, fuck me. Best option right now. Okay, well, if the Super Contest lands at three and a half, like it's currently posted, I think that sticks. Uh, three and a half is a good bet, then. You're getting a point of value. Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's pretty solid. I don't, I don't worry about it too much coming down to a field goal. So it's a drop-dead leg and a lean. Anytime Absolutely. you can get that, you feel real good about your DDL. So yeah, there's not a lot to talk about on this other than just like we don't like Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson's going to struggle from a mental aspect. He's gonna, his accuracy sucks. Everybody knows this. That's not going to change this year. Mentally, he could get better this year just because he has so few starts. He started like 10 games since high school. It's pretty racist, Joe. This is no commentary on him as a human being or a man. It's purely his football decision-making. He's not good at it. Okay, yeah. No, that's what I was saying. We, we just have to lay that out clearly. <laughs> we, I've gotten in some trouble. <laughs> Honestly, I, honest, I haven't even really actually gotten in trouble. People just lose their minds. Uh, no, Anthony Richardson, he sucks. And he can, get, he can improve because he has so few starts. There's a lot of room for improvement and growth. But it's not going to be in the terms of accuracy. That doesn't really typically happen mid-year. It will be in terms of the mental aspects of the game. And that's not going to happen in this first game. Exactly. It's going to be the worst it's ever going to be. Yeah. He will never be worse mentally. And it's not good to start. Absolutely. Hey, go Jags. Exactly. Go Jags. It's a lean because we hate the number, three and a half. It's just, it's an evil number. It's the book saying, please don't. Have mercy. Almost makes me want to take it out of spite, but we're going to see what else we got. That'll be on the back burner. And next game. Next game. For the final game of the noon slate. Noon. No longer Eastern time. I know. I keep catching myself. I'm so happy about it. We have the Tennessee Titans going to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are minus three. This game is going to be caca, but I think I like the Saints. See, I... I worry about that Tennessee D-line getting after panic-ridden Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a bitch. We know this. And that offensive line is not what it used to be. Ramchek is sick at right tackle. Ruiz, is Ruiz even starting at center anymore? I don't know. Let's find out. No, he's the right guard. Oh, God. Who's center? Eric McCoy. Okay, good for him. James Hurst at left guard, and then uh, Dalton, Trevor Penning. Yeah, Trevor Penning cannot pass block. Okay, so this is going to be a little rough. And then you've got, on the other end, you got Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, Jadevian Clowney, Danico Autry. That's like a freaky good DL. Yes, it's a really good D-line. <laughs> that, you could argue that's the best DL. There's a legitimate argument. Jadevian Clowney is not what he used to be, and he's certainly the worst player on that front four. But he's still a mediocre starter. I mean, yeah, they're they're fucking deep. Fuck, I and mean, look at their secondary, dude. You got Roger McCreary in the slot. You got Christian Fulton outside. And then you've got uh, Elijah Molden, baby Tyron Matthew, also in the slot. So you've got, like, you have, you're vertically challenged, let's say, at cornerback. You got short dudes. Hey, don't forget about Sean Murphy bunting. Oh, fuck, I forgot about Sean Murphy bunting. That's so good. That's the best secondary. And then you got Kevin Byard up top, who's their strong safety. And Amani Hooker. Oh Murray my Hooker. god, that's the best secondary in the NFL. Yeah, it's Amani Hooker. It's it's really well balanced. That's the best secondary in the NFL. It might be. It really might. Like, none of their corners are elite. Christian Fulton could get there. Mm-hmm. None of them are elite, but they're all really good, and they've got four of them. 
That's yeah. the best secondary in the NFL with arguably the best defensive line in the NFL. Linebackers, not so much. Yeah. I mean, they got uh, Aziz Alshair. Yeah, I like him, but he's kind of a blitzbacker. He's not really awesome in coverage. Yeah, but... I do like him, though. He's always around the ball. Who makes some tackles. Okay, so that defense is low-key sick. So, yeah, I worry that they're going to force some uh, interceptions, some turnovers. So, the way that the Saints like to play offense and the way that Derek Carr actually likes to play offense, it's kind of a match made in heaven because it's just get the ball out quick. Right. It's the it's the shit that we saw Justin Herbert do and wanted Justin Herbert to stop doing it. That's good for facing an awesome offensive line or defensive line. Right. It's decent for facing a good secondary just because there's, you know, you can only cover so much so close to the line. But a good defense is a good defense. And then the Saints on the other end, their defense is. Fuck, this is really. Okay, so awesome defense for the Titans versus okay offense for the Saints. And then decent offense for the Titans versus decent defense for the Saints. Low key, advantage Titans. Yeah. And I feel like. The the Titans grind it out type of team does well in week one because it doesn't require as much stuff on the timing and yeah it's very it's very simple and then Tannehill's a veteran quarterback who's been in this system for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry's never going to be fresher than he is right now. Offensive line is a problem. It is. It's it's bad. It's pretty fucking bad. No two ways about it. It's bad. But you know how you mitigate a bad offensive line? You run. Mm -hmm. And they will run. And they, honestly, I mean, they have pretty solid weapons. Like, New Compton's not what he used to be, but he can still catch a ball. He's a good wide receiver, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks showed some stuff late last year. I thought he would suck, and he impressed me. I was too low on him. He's okay. Yeah, and with room to grow, because he was a very raw receiver coming out. Yeah, and he was fat. He was. I mean, he had asthma. Hopefully he's less fat. He was just fat. But he said he's not fat anymore because he jogged. And then they have... You see, He said his asthma went away because he started jogging. That's not asthma, buddy. You were fat. It's restricted airways. And then they have Chigakonkwo at tight end, too. I like a lot. He's a, he's a very athletic boy. So they have options that they can kind of just toss the ball up to for bailouts. And then, you're right, they have Derek Henry to go run. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I want to bet on the Titans, especially because it's the Titans and we used to have rules about this sort of thing. Yeah, but they're catching points. But they're catching points. Fuck. Uh, and, and the Mike Vrabel factor is going to be mitigated by the Dennis Allen factor. Yeah, we can't forget that Dennis Allen is Wait, the coach. So these are two defense-led teams that are conservative coaches, and it's three points, and we could take the points with the team that has the better defense? This sounds like a good bet. I agree. I think I've, I I kind of think we should bet on Tennessee over New Orleans. I don't like that, though. I don't like it either because my, in, my instinct is that New Orleans is going to win. They're a better team. But that's baking in a lot of attrition and like season-long shit that's not a part of this game. And it's three points. This game is going to be a low-scoring, quick game. There's going to be a lot of running. Clock's going to move fast. Boy. It's stinky, but I think Tennessee might... Tennessee's a lean. We'll come back to it, but I think Tennessee might be a bet. I think it might be. But, yeah, we'll come back to it. We'll check it out. Because, so, how do you stop New Orleans' offense? 
one of two things, right? Because it's, it's a dink and dunk offense. So you either have to be patient and wait and capitalize when they make a mistake, right? Or you just have to jam them at the line and play sick man defense. Tennessee can play man defense. They probably won't, but they can play man defense because their corners are so deep. And Tennessee can certainly wait for them to make mistakes because that defensive line is going to cause extra mistakes. <sighs> I don't know. Right, yeah. That's a very... This is why we do this pod. If I was left to my own devices, like my, my prep sheet had New Orleans circle as a maybe. And now I have Tennessee circle as a maybe. We'll really f- figure out the validity of this podcast because if uh, if New Orleans wins, we should, we should shut it down. Your first instinct is right. If Tennessee wins, all this analysis is useful. I think we should make it an ultimatum like that. Yeah, okay. If New Orleans wins, we cancel the pod. Mm-hmm. Dead forever. I'm not shaking on it. <laughs> Next game. All right, in the first game in the 3 o'clock hour, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to play the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are minus four. The lean should be on the Raiders simply because neither team should be favored in any game ever. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly one. I'm not watching this game. Nope. Next game? Next game. Next up, the Miami Dolphins go to play the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus two and a half. I think we got a bet. Oh, San Diego. City of Lights. <laughs> okay, last year the Chargers beat up on the Dolphins because Brandon Staley figured out like, oh, if I just if I just drop my linebackers a little deeper when I play cover two or like when I play cover one with a linebacker dropping, it foggies up the middle of the field. That was a nice catch by number four right there. It was it was a moss. Caleb Douglas of Florida. Go check his gloves. There's something on those things. So the Chargers decided to just drop their linebackers a little deeper in zone coverage, and it confused the hell out of Tua because Tua can't read defenses. He just throws to the first thing he's supposed to. And those deeper linebackers just, it it fogs everything up. It clogs up his throwing lanes. He doesn't know what to do. He panics. He throws picks. Brandon Staley's going to run that shit back. And there's really no way to mitigate that problem for, like, Mike McDaniel's a genius, right? He's going to figure it out. But there's no way to figure that out. There's nothing you can do. If Tua can't process and Tua can't throw downfield, he has to throw to those windows. And if you clog those windows, there's really no option except run. Additionally, Joe Lombardi is gone. Our long national nightmare is over. The bad man is gone. And now it's Kellen Moore. And so, like, there there are basically two kinds of people. People who think Kellen Moore is a genius and people who think Kellen Moore is an idiot. If you think Kellen Moore is a top 15 offensive coordinator... I do. If he is, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Chargers are necessarily, when healthy, a top 5 offense in the NFL. Because last year they were a top 10 production offense with Joe Lombardi, who we all agree suck. Bad. If Kellen Moore is actually bad... They're still going to be like a top 10, top 15 offense just because that's what they had last year. It's going to be tough to be worse than Joe Lombardi. Yeah, very tough. And they're healthier. Like, did you know Justin Herbert only played like 30% of his snaps last year with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the field? I didn't know that. His his second leading target on the entire team was, uh, who's their fourth receiver? Palmer. Josh, Josh Palmer. Palmer. The rookie? No, he's not a rookie. I thought he was a rookie last year. He feels like a rookie every year because he's never really broken out. Greg Cosell loved him coming out of the draft like two years ago. Uh, yeah, and now they got Quentin Johnson too. And Quentin Johnson can't catch. I actually don't think he has hands. And if he does have them, I don't think he knows that he's allowed to use them to catch footballs. He uses his body to catch everything. He's the only guy I've seen make body catches on contested catch jump ball opportunities. Because he just like hugs it into his neck. Guy can't. Guy needs to learn. But he's fast. He's really good with the ball in his hands, and that's something that the Chargers lacked last year. 
So we're high on the Chargers. And God, we would be so high on Miami if they just had a different quarterback. And they they had a chance in free agency to get any good backup, and they got Mike White. My my sober king, Mike McDaniel, might have a little bit of Shanahan syndrome, which is that he loves bad quarterbacks. I think he has a lot of it. Which is unfortunate. Could you imagine if they had signed Baker? I would like to think that it just would have righted everything in the world. I worry that you can only get so hard. <laughs> uh, but regardless, I mean, we've got a terrible quarterback playing against his kryptonite. We've got an amazing quarterback who finally has an offensive coordinator. I think that there will be kinks to work out in that Miami defense because Vic Fangio is the god. He is. But it's going to take a little while to learn how to play that defense because there's literally nothing more different from Vic Fangio's cover four, like Ben don't break system than Brian Flores's exotic man blitz system. So it's going to take a little while to adjust. And I think it's a really good fit for the personnel. It's just defenses take time to learn. It's a lot of moving parts. Absolutely. I think it's a good read, though. And it's a good point that Staley's soft coverage works perfectly against Tua's deficiencies. If, if you look at a heat map of where Tua throws the ball, all, all of their chunk plays and all of their efficient passes, not all, but substantially all of their efficient plays and efficient passes come about 15 yards downfield right over the middle. And that's because typically linebackers hang out between 5 and 10 yards downfield, and safeties hang out between 20 and 30 yards downfield. So they just hit that little honey hole. And they're so fast that their wide receivers can get in and out of there before the defenders can react. So Brandon Staler's like, oh, dope. Uh, linebackers just uh, hang back a little bit. Stand stand by and stand back, linebackers. And uh, he was really proud of how his boys stood back and hung out and intercepted some balls. And now they got, uh, fuck, Damian? Day? Something impressive. An impressive first name, Henley. Uh, linebacker back out of Washington State, rookie, former wide receiver, like I want to say 6'3", 230, flies. Dayon Henley, Dylon Henley, Dylon, Dylon, and Dylon. Dion Henley. He is going to be perfect for this. So I, I just think it's a really good matchup, and it's a better team, and it's the battle of two and on. I think it'll be a fun game. Oh, dude, I'm totally... That's That one's going on the big TV. Yeah, that'll be that'll be an exciting one. I'm looking forward to it. Are you going to watch week one here, or are you going to be doing it at home? Well, I'll probably be getting back to Chicago, like, around the start of these games. Oh, shit. So we'll have to see, depending on timing. All right. Uh... Next game? Next game. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Rams going to play at the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus five. I can only puke so often. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to talk about this one. Wait, what is there to handicap? Seahawks leg? Yeah, but I don't want to Seahawks leg because Geno Smith kind of sucks and the Rams will score. Yeah, I don't. I think this is a game that you just don't really think Jesus, about. To quote Jesus, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. South Park Season 2. It's a good saying. Next uh, game. Next up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the New England Patriots. Patriots are plus three and a half. This smells like a bet. Yes. There's, I have one issue. This is this is my impulsive like meatball fan fear. Mm-hmm. You and I believe Jalen Hurts is a bit of a pumpkin, right? A little wait, bit. Wait, 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 bird watcher, close your ears. All right. Pet the dog. Now, now that now that bird watcher is not watching, we both believe that Jalen Hurts is kind of a pumpkin, right? Correct. Who and he, he wins with a gimmick off a gimmick offense whose coordinator is gone and who we now have a year of tape on, and now Bill Belichick of all fucking people has a whole summer to watch it and figure it out. If there was ever going to be a time for Jalen Hurts to turn back into a pumpkin, this is a pretty good example of that time. Right. And if we remember from last year, they struggled out of the gate. They had a lot of like close games that they barely won at the end of the game. And maybe it was because Jalen Hurts was still getting used to everything. 
Maybe they start slow. Well, it's weird because they did have close games at the beginning of the year, but they also, you'll recall, we talked about this in our season previews, the ones that we did. Uh, they were the best first half team in like the, in they're like the fifth best first half team in the history of the NFL. And they still had close games because in the second half, people figured them out. Right. And we were talking about this on the preview. Like, what if that's because people figured out the gimmicks of this offense? After just a half, and now we got a whole season, and we got Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo figuring this shit out. See, I would believe that more if the Eagles didn't get better as the year went on, though. Did they? They definitely had their best performance in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and they fucking made it to the Super Bowl. They well, were... well, the NFC Championship game literally didn't happen. Yeah, that was a fluke. And the week before that, they beat the Giants. Congrats. Congrats on beating the Giants. Rod, I'm sorry. Congrats on beating the Giants. Just don't think they were playing better football at the beginning of the year than they were at the end. Or yeah, no, reverse I, I, that. Yeah, yeah, reverse that. I agree. It's tough. My my initial thought, and I, I say this because my my initial thought is, holy shit, how are we not unloading on the Eagles minus three and a half against a bad team? Right. But the Patriots are low key going to be better too because they had they went from the worst offensive coordinator maybe ever in Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien, who's like a legitimately solid offensive coordinator in the NFL. Sure. That's going to help. It'll help, but there's still such a talent mismatch. Yeah, the Patriots' offensive line is not what it used to be. And the Eagles' D-line is incredible. It's still itself. Mm-hmm. They have the Georgia defensive line. Yep. The Georgia defensive line that just dominated everybody. Yep. And the, the weakness of the Eagles' defense is their corners and their DBs. You're playing Mac Jones. It yeah. doesn't matter. The fun thing is, uh, less than 365 days ago, Patriots fans were legitimately arguing about whether Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones should start, and Bailey Zappi just got cut, which means that Mac Jones is like this close to not being rosterable. Hey, Luke, Bailey Zappi's back in the practice squad, though. Yeah, so when your starting quarterback is arguably not as good as your practice squad quarterback, you're not good. Your team can't be good. I agree. And even though... We'd be taking a road favorite. I think Eagles are the pick, though. I know you were talking about, like, uh, maybe gimmick offense, but how is New England going to score points? Well, here's the thing. The way that Bill O'Brien works, his offense is really big on spreading you out and then just hitting, using the width of the field to create separation. It's not too dissimilar from what, like, Cliff Kingsbury did. Sure. You just spread everybody out and you hit quick slants and drags, right? Because mm-hmm. there's always leverage on a slant or a drag and quarterbacks are really accurate on them because it's easy because everybody can do it. And that mitigates Mac Jones's lack of arm strength and it mitigates your wide receiver's lack of explosiveness. It's like that. So that, that works pretty decently, but it works really well against cover four. And Sean Desai is the new defensive coordinator of the Eagles. I like him a lot. He was a Bears guy. Uh... He runs cover four. He's a Vic Fangio disciple. Cover four, you get your cornerbacks deep. You get everything on the periphery. Leaves the middle vulnerable. Leaves your linebackers on islands. The Eagles have terrible linebackers. They do have bad linebackers. Eagles have terrible safeties. Mm -hmm. So if you want to target the safeties and linebackers, you spread them out and you throw short routes. So it's kind of a perfect, it's a match made in heaven for Bill O'Brien. And Mac Jones can operate. He's not like inept level bad. Yeah. Like if Mac Jones had physical talent to speak of, he'd be a pretty good quarterback. Sure. Just mentally, he's solid. Yeah, but he has a noodle arm. Yeah, and bitch tits. Sure. He does. You seen him? Probably. You, you can tell that he's a drunk, and you don't even have to look at his DUIs. <laughs> Just the doughiness. I can see it in your DUIs. 
that's pretty good. Yeah, he could have killed a guy twice. Uh, so it's it's a really good matchup for the Patriots. And I say all of this, there are so many advantages for the Patriots, but I think that's okay because I think that in a vacuum, without any matchup advantages, this game should be like a seven point line. So mm-hmm. we, I'm already I already see about three points baked in for the Patriots having a beneficial matchup against the Eagles. The Eagles are a better team. Yeah. They are. Like when we were doing the NFC East preview, we were looking at their lineup. They're insane. They're so good. They're, off- They're so deep. Their offensive line is so good that even if Jalen Hurts is a pumpkin and in the second half they're like, fuck, we just got to do halfback dive and like run the read option. They can do that. If they turn into the Justin Fields offense, they'll still score a shitload of points every week. Yeah, because they have the best offensive line in the NFL. Sorry, Detroit. It's true. They have better running backs now. DeAndre Swift and uh, Rashad Penny are better than Miles Sanders. Yep. When they're healthy. When they're healthy, which is never except week one. And this is week one. Sure. Miles Sanders is also never really healthy, though slightly more. Boston Scott RB1. So, oh yeah, Birdwatcher, you can start, you can watch again. So. I, I like the practicality of you letting him know. Yeah, even if it comes down to just running the ball, the Eagles are so good. And the Patriots defensive line is mediocre. And their linebackers are all safeties. So you can power through them. And I love Christian Gonzalez. Like, Christian Gonzalez should have been a top five pick. Mm-hmm. He's great. But A.J. Brown's a tough introduction to the NFL. Yeah. Do you think they'll match him one-on-one? I think AJ? regardless of what the Patriots try to do, the Eagles will make sure that that's a matchup a few times. Sure. Because the Eagles love motion as it is. They do. A.J. Brown will motion to that side of the field and go deep. And, he, and he'll win. And if he doesn't, he will literally physically assault <laughs> Christian Gonzalez until he does win. Because Christian Gonzalez is great. He's not a... He's a... He's skinny as fuck. He's a finesse guy. Yeah. <sighs> Eagles three and a half is a lean. Just because it's three and a half. And it's so square. Because we found all those advantages and we still think they're the play. Yes. It's incredibly square. And they're the fucking darling that just made the Super Bowl. And they're not even going to be wearing the Kelly Greens. Yeah. Eagles. You want to make it a bet? I think it's probably going to end up. Looking at what we got. Let's, well, respect the process. Fine, fine. We, we lean. We lean. Like Kareem doing hook shots. All right, next game. Next game and final game of the afternoon slate. We have the Green Bay Packers going to play the Chicago Bears. The Bears are minus one. Oh, fuck, that's here? Yeah. <laughs> I thought about going for a second, and then I was like, sir, you forget yourself. <laughs> you don't go to day games. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is a bet. Yes, I agree. Packers, right? Might be the best bet of the week. Yes. Am I like a? Am I gonna bet on the Packers a lot this year? I think you might. I think I fucking will. All right. So the handicap is like this. First of all, we know Justin Fields is probably the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. I. Uh, I heard somebody call him top five. That's ridiculous. He's. I don't know how popular that thought process is. He's though. the number one most popular MVP bet this year. I think it's because he has insane odds, though. I think it's one of those where you go, oh, his odds are like 16th. So the the belief is that he's a middle of the road quarterback. That is how he is priced. Yeah, he's not a middle of the road quarterback. He's bad. He's. I have him as quarterback 29. Yeah, you know, I don't have a list, but I think he would probably fit in around there. In Green Bay, we talked about in the whatever episode we did where we talked about them. Probably the NFC North, I would guess. Well, sure. But, I mean, however long ago that was. I don't care. 
Green Bay's a good team still. Like, you know, Jordan Love hasn't really played. Let's say we didn't like let's, him let's as say, a prospect. Let's say he's exactly Justin Fields. For purpose of argument. Exactly the same caliber. Bad. Terrible. The Packers are a better team with a better coach. So, you you touched on this. You're right. I didn't like him as a prospect. My... my uh, my little summary of his grading was it's not even that he's inaccurate so much as he just makes so many terrible decisions that it doesn't matter because he will throw picks anyway. And he is inaccurate, but it's not the worst part of his game. That being said, we know he's athletic. We know he's got a big arm. And we know he's sat on the bench for three years learning as much as one can. We also know this team has a good offensive line. Bakhtiari might actually finally play. We literally last year, every week, we were like, Bakhtiari might play. And then he didn't. We did it so often. He's finally playing. Yeah, knock on the wood again. Well, let's not be too gracious to the Packers now. We still hate him. I, st- I still hate him. My, my two least favorite teams in the NFL are playing in this game. But the offensive line is going to be good. Matt LaFleur can scheme up a run game. A.J. Dillon just continues to get better the more he gets the ball. Aaron Jones is still a good running back. Their young, extremely young wide receiving core is another year more mature, right? Christian Watson got so much better over the course of last year. I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver be so much better week 16 versus week one because he was a freak athlete, but he wasn't really polished at North Dakota State because he never had a quarterback that threw the ball much. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Uh, Reminder that the first time I watched Trey Lance, I legitimately thought he was a fullback, and I was like, damn, that's a pretty good fullback. I, I thought they were running the triple option wishbone, and he was just the fullback getting the ball a bunch. Kind of looks like Jim Brown back there. Uh, yeah, no, they, they threw the ball like 10 times a game. And when they did, it was a deep streak to Christian Watson, who was so wide open, he would stop, turn, wait, and field a punt. Literally. So, he got a lot better last year. Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs, I don't know how the... F- Dobbs? I think it's Dobbs. Everybody says it different. Dobbs. Lil Romeo. Not to be confused with the early 2000s actor. No, that's just Romeo now. So Lil is open. There it is. Lil Romeo was already very polished coming out in Nevada. And I don't think he'll ever be a good receiver, but he's a passable wide receiver too. They got Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State at tight end. He's a rookie tight end, and like rookie tight ends typically don't get a lot of shine, but that's because they don't get a lot of usage. He will be used. They don't have an option. <laughs> he's a very good receiver. Not really a blocker, but a good receiver. Which is what they need right now. And then they got Jalen Reed, the guy out of Michigan State, who's just a burner. That's, if it all works out, that's a solid core. It's better than they had last year, probably. Sure. Mostly because it's the same thing, but older. Yeah, but I don't know how much I trust Jordan Love to keep things organized. This is the nice thing. Last year, Aaron Rodgers kind of sucked. Right. And their offensive line was decimated, and their defense was decimated, and the re- receivers were rookies that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And this Packers team was still passable, still gave the Bears a hard fucking time. I think they split the season series, and they were close games. Now, both teams have gotten better, but I think it's stayed about par. When Jordan Love has played in the past, like the Kansas City game when Aaron Rodgers had COVID, and he put his big toe on the table and everything. Yes. Uh, Jordan Love sucked, but they hung in that game, and they almost won that game. Because Matt LaFleur held Jordan Love's hand and pulled him down the field. Actually, I think it was the Cardinals. But it was, it was, the, the, it was the undefeated Cardinals. And I remember because I had the biggest bet of my of the season. I had a ten grand bet on that game. Mm-hmm. So Matt LaFleur is going to hold some hands. And he will minimize the amount of input that the quarterback has on the game. Now, the, the thing that I'm really excited about 
once again, is the Packers' defense. Eric Stokes is starting the season on PUP. So he's going to miss the first four or six games. But even still, that defensive front is stacked. You got Rashawn Gary, sick as fuck. You got Kenny Clark, not what he once was, because he was once the best nose tackle in football, but he's still really good. You've got, uh, fuck, do they have Devondre Wyatt? Campbell, I thought. Do they have no, Wyatt, you're right. Yeah, I think they have both. Yeah, they do. Uh, Wyatt out of Alabama is going to be good. Especially as a sub technique, like a three technique, and then Bulldog in Georgia. They've also got Preston Smith and Lucas Van Ness as the other edge. That's a tough front, dude. Like I don't like Lucas Van Ness that much, but I think he can at least be a really, really good interior rusher in sub packages, and a really good run stuffing edge. And the Bears run. Yeah, they do. It's the only thing they can do. And they got Devondre Campbell at linebacker, mm-hmm. who was an all-pro because he's so good at stopping the run. Mm-hmm. The Packers' safeties do suck. That's not good. Yeah, they do. I think Trevor Zegers is at the Minnesota game. He absolutely is. And then, and then outside you got Jair Alexander, shut down, and you've got Russell Douglas. Good matchup, dude. And I heard via Nate Tice on the Athletic Podcast that the Packers are going to run a little bit more aggressive of a defense this year. Oh, please, God, let it be true. all we've been praying for for like a year. So you've got an immensely talented defense that might actually be playing optimally for once. You've got an offense that is going to be average, regardless of anything else, just because of coaching and offensive line, if if nothing else. Yeah, I think that they'll be average because that OL will protect Love so much that even if he's slow to make decisions and panics a little bit, he's he's able to because he's going to have that time and that opportunity in front of him, and then LaFleur is going to cover the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, LaFleur is going to make tell things him who's easy. He's, who he's throwing to. Remember that LaFleur is one of the preeminent Shanahan McVay guys. Mm-hmm. What do they do? They take bad quarterbacks and give them easy projects. That's what he also does. So I like the Packers in this game. Definitely a Packers bet. We're going to have to start thinking about our best bet, and that is up there, although I think I might like one slightly better. Next game? Next game. And for the final game on Sunday night, we it's have... It's Sunday night. We have the Dallas Cowboys going to play the New York Giants. The Giants are plus three and a half. This game's tough. I'm high on the Cowboys this year, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. And low on the Giants. Kinda. But the Giants are still a good team with a really good coach. Yes. And that I think that D-line is shaping into pretty a pretty fucking good one. You talking about Giants? Yeah. It's a decent defensive line. It's a really good interior. And then the edges are not bad. And they're going to stop the run really well. Yeah. I kind of worry that the Cowboys defensive line might be way too much for the Giants to handle. It very well could be. But you do have Andrew Thomas. Okay, so let's pretend he takes Micah Parsons out of the game. Pretend. Right. You still got to stop Demarcus Lawrence with Evan Neal. Evan Neal sucked. And he could get a lot better. He could do the Andrew Thomas and have a bad rookie year and then be what he was supposed to be. He could. But we've seen a lot of offensive tackles from Alabama just kind of blow penis. Yes. I don't think it's a good place to take tackles from. Wills, Leatherwood, Neal. I mean, even Jonah Williams. Even Jonah Williams. Like, he, he's a startable player, but he's never been good. No, and I will say Jonah Williams was never, like, supposed to be very good. Yeah. He was still a first-round pick, wasn't he? He was the first-round pick, but it was like, he will be a solid starter, and you just you don't have to worry about him. Sure. And I think that's kind of what he is. 
but yeah, no, it's Alabama tackles may be a problem. Hot seat, Nick Saban. I love that Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are kind of just slowly crumbling at the same time. <laughs> like Nick Saban's crumbling with the most money and the best players. The future's now, old man. <laughs> anyway, Demarcus Neal on er, Demarcus Walker on Evan Neal. Demarcus Lawrence. God. Damn it. I'm struggling, man. Week one. We've been podding for for everybody. We've been podding. We're at the end of the pod. It's a long... Okay. Marcus Lawrence is still going to get his. And the Cowboys quietly, again, another team with just a sick secondary. Yeah, they really do. Stephon Gilmore is Gilly Locke. So you're going to stick him on, what, Darius Slayton? I guess. And see, this is where I think the Giants have a little bit of an advantage in that they don't have any like number one wide receiver. So any receiver they put out there, Stephon Gilmore's kind of being wasted on. Yeah, but then you also got <laughs> Trevon Diggs. He'll guard up Isaiah Hodgins. Who covers Jalen Hyatt? Jalen Hyatt's hands. <laughs> that's a fair but that's very fair. In reality it'll be Jordan Lewis. And Jordan Lewis is a really good slot. Yeah. And then, you know, it's gonna be tough to cover Darren Waller ever. But to the extent that it could be done, Malik Hooker's pretty good. J. Ron Curse, pretty good. So they have answers. I don't know what Mike McCarthy's going to be on the other side of the ball, but I'm not that worried because I think that the Giants' defense is gettable. I don't really want to bet on this game because it is another three-and-a-half-point game, and I don't think that these teams are on different tiers. I agree. Well, no, I kind of do think they're on different tiers. I think they're at different ends of the same tier. Yeah, yeah. They're both in that... Good, but not good enough. Yeah, they're they're good, but not contenders and not close to being contenders. Yeah. I think Dallas is right at the top of that realm mm-hmm. where they they sometimes look like they can be a contender, but still probably aren't. And then the Giants are probably right into the beginning aspect of that tier of they got some pieces. They've, they've got a good coach, a good system set up. Some players are really turning out, but they're not there yet. I think yeah. with the the fact that we've picked some games, we have some leans, and might have another one coming up, I think we just leave this one. Though I think I would lean Dallas. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because I think they win this game, and getting it flat, minus three, you might push, which would suck. But Is there a minus three out there? That's what it has on uh, DraftKings. Ooh. Okay, well that changes some things. I'm... At minus three, I think I'd do it. Oh, the Super Contest is three and a half. Uh, Tina Belcher groan. Oh, but it's it's minus three juiced. Oh. Uh, it's minus one twenty or one eighty. So it's three and a half. Yeah, it's, it should be three and a half. Ah, that's tough. It's Sunday night football, so I'll inevitably live bet it. Of course, mm, depending on how the other games go, whether well. you're on tilt or <laughs> or rolling in cash. When San Francisco wins, and I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Okay, so we've got two for sure bets and three leans. I thought we had three for sure bets. San Francisco, Green Bay, and... San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. And then our leans are Jacksonville, Philly, Tennessee. All right, well, we're about to have a fourth one, because next game? Yeah, fucking Monday, baby. Make Monday a good day, baby. Yeah. And on to Monday night, the last game of week one, we have the Buffalo Bills going to play the New York Jets. The Jets are plus two and a half. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, we we got to bet Buffalo here. Let's right? go Bills. Yeah, I mean it's the hard knocks effect. The Jets are just way too overhyped. Absolutely. I mean, we've gone through the roster. They definitely have some spots there. They have some guys that they've built up. I mean, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner both look like stars. I think that both of them are overrated, but I also think that both of them are good. So it's tough because I'm like, no, Sauce Gardner's not the best cornerback in the NFL. He's like top eight or five. Right. But like, they're still very That's good. That's awesome as a yeah. rookie. Quinnen Williams has really come into his own. Yep. That offensive line is shitty, though. But less shitty than it was. Like, Dwayne Brown came back. He's ancient and always has nagging injuries, but theoretically, he could be good still. And that shores up left tackle. And then at right tackle, you got Mikhail Becton, who sucks, but he is so large that it just takes time to get around him. Like, he's got True. The, I call it the inertia factor, where it's like, yes, he can't move well, but you have to run an extra three steps just to get around his big ass. That's true. Granted, uh, he'll probably tear something in the second quarter. No, it's already torn. He just hasn't told us. Why is Deion Sanders Woody from Toy Story? He's in... He, he's... A buff now. You should like him. He's a buffalo. This is a buffalo heavy podcast. Uh, the interior is decent. McGovern's an okay center ish. I like Elijah Vera Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker's great. Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson? Nope. That's the defensive tackle, huh? That is the defensive tackle of the Browns. Lake and Tomlinson? Lake and Tomlinson? Yeah, Chicago Lake and Tomlinson. Boy, Lane Tech. Oh, how about that? Yeah, he's okay. Uh, yeah, it's not great. I think it's kind of rough. And, like, Dwayne Brown is fucking old. He's so old. And he's literally just got healthy two days ago. Yeah. Like, and he's he's old. Those injuries really hang on to you. When was the last time he played a game? He's, he's too old. <laughs> just look at him. He's old. Um, no, so the offensive line's not great. But Buffalo's defensive line and general pass rush is not very good either. It's your boy Greg Rousseau. True. Uh, who is young Kalias Campbell without the man strength. And then Ed Oliver, who never really panned out the way we would have liked. Russo needs to have some kids so he can have dad strength. And if he already has kids, he needs to double the number. I'm not even joking a little bit. My cousin, who is 20, and super jacked, he plays D3 college football. He legitimately honestly believes that he needs to have children so that he can beat his dad in arm wrestling. Yep, it's the only way. I don't know that he's wrong. I know I don't know the science that supports it, and I don't think there is any. But if tomorrow, like Huberman did a study and was like, actually having kids makes your testosterone jump through the roof and you get stronger and more dense, I'd be like, Yeah, no, that's actually true. I think it's also just the training of carrying around you it's basically like wearing a weight vest that gets bigger. It's progressively getting bigger. It's it's progressive overload. Exactly. The natural style. You're just walking around with a kid all the time. Holy shit. When God invented babies, was he just being like Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> or Mark Spitz? Just like, yeah, you progressive overload. Every day the baby gets heavier. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what was happening. Good job, God. <laughs> you did it, God. <laughs> Man strong. <laughs> So the offensive line is going to be weak, but it won't be that much of a problem because Bills can't rush, and I still expect them to mostly just do cover two. I mean, I know that McDonough's a lot more aggressive than Leslie Frazier, who literally left because he was having play-calling ability stripped from him. But I'm going to assume that he's not going to change everything on these guys. It comes down for me to quarterbacks and offensive capabilities because the Jets... like. Don't forget that Nate Hackett's calling the shots. And don't forget that 
Aaron Rodgers is a diva and kind of kind of a little bit of a bitch. Yep. Like that that's not just my hatred for him speaking because I'm a lifelong former Bears fan. It's because Mike McCarthy was run out of Mike McCarthy was run out of town because Rodgers didn't like that he didn't have as much control over the plays. So he would literally just ad lib and do whatever the fuck he felt like at the line of scrimmage and it caused problems. Like his receivers were have been quoted as saying, like, yeah, Rodgers would get up to the line and like do hand signals and audibles for routes that we didn't know what the hell they meant. And then he'd get mad at us. Yeah. So, I so, think there's gonna be a lot of that this year too. Yeah, and, and Rodgers is running the whole show. So you give a diva more power and it just it sounds like a bad recipe. And then Hackett likes to run the ball. This is gonna be the Nate Hackett of Jacksonville, the Nate Hackett of Green Bay, the Nate Hackett of Denver. Every place he's been, he runs the ball a ton. And he's got Matt LaFleur concepts in you know in his scheme. But as much as I like Matt LaFleur, that's not a high enough flying offense to hang with the Bills. You need personnel. And Rodgers sucked last year. And the two years prior to that, yes, MVPs, but it was game managing. You add in the fact that this Jets team is still trying to gel and is still new. And, dude, if you watch them in the preseason or in hard knocks even, it's not like they looked sick on offense. Yeah, it's going to take a while, especially with how particular Rodgers is. Yeah, he's one of the pickiest, most stat-paddingest dudes. Yeah, I mean, they even had a clip of Randall Cobb, one of his career favorite receivers, who's kind of on the Packers just to help teach the other receivers what Aaron likes. The Jets, but yes. Right. Um, He even said in one of the Hard Knocks episodes, like, if Aaron doesn't trust you, he won't throw you the ball. You have to make sure he trusts you, like, finishing your routes and doing all this stuff. And that takes a while to build. I think it's why... Rodgers has struggled in early parts of seasons, especially when he has new receivers. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think this is going to be a slower starting team on offense. Now, I will say that the Jets' defense is better than the Bills' defense by a decent factor. The Jets' defense is objectively pretty sick. Yeah. And the Bills' defense isn't bad. They're kind of solid throughout. They've got the really good safeties. They've got Milano, who can kind of go all over the place. On sick linebacker, but they, you know, they're just a lot of guys. Yeah, their cornerbacks and defensive line are both mediocre. Right, the Jets, they've they got some stars. Sauce Gardner, as I said earlier, I think Sauce Gardner is significantly overrated. He's only a top eight corner, top five corner. That's still really good. And they run, the reason he's overrated is because they run a lot of cover three and a lot of bail cover four that looks like cover three. Basically, that just means that Sauce Gardner's job is to get deep and cover streaks. And he can do that. He's a big man. He's awesome at the line of scrimmage. He's got great wingspan and he knows how to play the ball. So as long as you don't have to make him, you know, cut inside because that's not his job. The linebackers take that. The safeties take that. It, it, it insulates him the way they used to do with Richard Sherman. So... Sauce Gardner is sick. The rest of the secondary, I feel like, is vulnerable. I think the safeties are pretty weak, and I think the second corner is pretty weak. No, you're right. I mean, they're they're not great outside of that. It's kind of a bunch of dudes that are either young or have been okay in other places. Yeah, like Jordan Whitehead was a mediocre box safety for the Bucks, and now he's their starting strong safety, and like he can't cover. It's not ideal. And then their he, linebackers are similar. What do you mean? They got C.J. Mosley back there. Honestly, last year, C.J. Mosley was kind of good. I know. He actually had <laughs> he a little like, bit of a resurgence. He still can't cover for shit. Yeah, and then, you know, Jamie and Sherwood and Quincy Williams are not exactly dudes to hang your hat on, especially when you're playing a lot of cover three and your linebackers have to cover a lot of ground. 
the defensive line is where the Jets are going to make their bones on defense. And you've got a pretty deep rotation of good dudes. So you got Big Q has been paid. Sick defensive tackle, one of the best. Defensive tackles are like the only Alabama players that really, really pan out. Them and wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, who else do they got? They got... Yeah, but Al Woods. That man's ancient. Uh, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson. Solomon Thomas, I love, but he's it's never going to work. Nope. Then Edges. Carl Lawson, decent. Effetti mm-hmm. Odenegbo. No. That's, John Franklin Myers. Effetti Odenegbo is an offensive tackle. No, he's not. You're thinking Jermaine Effetti. God damn it, you're right. Uh, John Franklin Myers is a solid defensive interior player. Probably more of a four technique than anything. But mm-hmm. They have uh, Jermaine Johnson. I don't like him, but I have buddies that really love him. I don't think he's any good. But he's a really good rotational rusher. Yeah, definitely. I had a second or third round grade on him. Yeah, no, it's it's a good defensive line. It's a decent defense. It's a really good defensive scheme. But Josh Allen's a top five quarterback. Josh Allen's healthy. He is. Their offensive line's gotten better. Still not very good. And they're way deeper at receiver now. Okay, Diggs is back and healthy. Everybody wanted to talk about how he's not going to play. He's going to fucking play. And then at wide receiver two, they have some combination of like Deontay Hardy, formerly Deontay Johnson. Remember, we loved him with the Saints. Just a super quick, twitchy dude. Get the ball in his hands. For sure. You have Gabe Davis still. Gabe Davis, more of a three than a two, it turns out, but a good three. And then I think that Dalton Kincaid's going to step in and just immediately be a contributor because he's so savvy and he's already 24. <laughs> yeah, he kind of needs to step in. It's those Mormons, dude. He's got like two, three years left in his prime. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to do a lot of two tight end stuff this year? Yeah, and, and Dawson Knox is a really good tight end in his own right. But I think that Dalton Kincaid is going to play like that Travis Kelsey big slot role a lot. Uh, and I think that would, it would help them as well since the line is a little iffy. If you have two tight ends in all the time, even though one or both of them are going to be running out for stuff a lot of the time, it still helps in your base setups. And when they are normally on the line starting plays there, that you can keep them in, give Josh Allen some extra protection. Yeah, and then James Cook is sick out of the backfield. I think he's going to start to blow up. So, Josh Allen has more options this year and a slightly better offensive line, plus he's healthy. I just think that the Bills are one of the three best teams in the NFL, and I think that the Jets are second tier. I think we got a tier gap, and it's less than a field goal. I agree. I think you're right in that it's the the hard knocks effect. This is a new team with a lot of new pieces, the Jets being. A lot of guys are new there. Tons of change. All this hype, the distraction of hard knocks. It absolutely is a distraction. Well, there's a reason they didn't want to do it. Right. And then you have old man Aaron Rodgers, who has been getting worse. And his name is so much bigger than his actual performance these days. Absolutely. Like, I mean, there was that clip on Hard Knocks, where it was with uh, Jihad Ward, who admittedly did have a shitty chirp saying, I don't know who you are, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But Aaron Rodgers is like, oh, yeah, you don't know who I am. I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, what? How does it have to feel to look at another grown man and be like, you know who the fuck I am? Yeah. Like, imagine being able to say, like, I am, insert your name here, and it being, like, almost douchebaggy to say because you're that important. <laughs> it absolutely is douchebaggy to say, regardless of the context. It's fucking true, though, dude. But Exactly, but he's right. Uh, but I think it does kind of speak to the 
the view Aaron Rodgers has of it. And I think, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I'm sure people on the Packers slobbered over him as well. But Hard Knocks was just like an entire thing of the entire Jets team and a bunch of young players going, oh my God, man, I've been watching you since I was eight years old and all this. And I think it's going to make his divaness worse. Yeah, because he's God to them. Yeah, and, and he, he's their savior. Yeah, like in in Green Bay, he was their Christ. But now, well, no, in Green Bay, he was their God. Now in New York, he's their Christ in person. Yeah, like he's like Christ walking around with the disciples level right now. And I think that when the season starts, is when he's going to start finding his piece of wood and carrying it to the hill. <laughs> and so I think that. It's a little bit of hype and just getting lost in the excitement of all these new players and that the Jets might actually be good. And they will be good. They just won't be elite like the Bills are. And the Bills are elite. They've been a top-of-the-league team for the last two or three years. Well, when Josh Allen's not fucking up, you could make the argument if the, you eliminated Josh Allen's boneheaded, unre- just terrible mistakes— He's the best quarterback in the NFL. And now you can't really do that because, like, they're part of him. Yeah, it's a very key part of his persona. But the high-end Josh Allen play is just so much higher than anybody else reaches. He th- I saw him throw a 60-yard bullet pass. He is insane. He can do things that nobody else can, including Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, I don't think... Like, it's him and Anthony Richardson, except Richardson could do it once in every 15. Like, you ever watch the Mighty Ducks with fucking Fulton Reed, and he's like, two out of five? <laughs> That's Anthony Richardson, and then Josh Allen's like, uh, four out of five, but the fifth, I shoot it into my own net. Take it. I'll take it. So, it's it's just, it's a tier mismatch. The Bills are so, I want to say stationary, but that's not what I mean. There's a lot of continuity. You know exactly what you're getting from them. Everything feels really buttoned up and solid. Whereas with the Jets, it's a lot of new, it's a lot of moving parts, it's a lot of young, it's a lot of we think. And I just think... It's possible that eight weeks from now, we're talking about the Jets being on the Bills tier, if not better. I don't think that happens, but I know it's not going to happen week one. Yep. I think the the Jets are a team you start paying more attention to later in the year, which also I think will work because they'll, you know, be three and three or something like that. Hype will have died off a little bit. They're going to disappoint a lot of people early in the season. People are going to kind of write them off as like, oh, we... The Aaron Rodgers thing wasn't that sick. And then slowly when people stop watching, they will start picking up steam. Yeah. And another thing that I always think about Rodgers for why I think they're going to start slow is they started slow a lot in Green Bay, even yeah. when he knew everyone. Relax. Like, exactly. R-E-L-A-X. And that happened. It wasn't just the year they said relax. Like it was multiple the table. years. Every, every time he had one of those fucking viral quotes on local radio was a year they started slow. Run the table. Relax. We're not going anywhere. They always started slow. Yeah. So I and I think that will carry with Rodgers. I don't think that was a Packers thing. I think that was a Rodgers thing. I I hate to say this because it almost sounds like helmet scouting, but I feel very similarly similarly about this Aaron Rodgers Jets team to how I felt about the Brett Favre Jets team. Where like they're good, they're a borderline playoff team. They'll probably make the playoffs if they stay healthy, but they're not great. And it would be so goddamn funny if they had similar records and, like, similar stature in the league. If Kirk goes down. Oh, don't even put that on me. (laughs) And Aaron Rodgers ends up in some Viking purple to end his career. With big baggy sleeves and his tiny penis on camera. (laughs) 
it it will be pretty wonderful. That's the palest man of all time on the local news. I was going to say, why does he have so much sunscreen on? All right, so we've got four bets. Currently, we have San Francisco over Pittsburgh, minus two and a half. Might be our best bet. San Diego over Miami, minus two and a half. Also a good bet, though. Green Bay over Chicago, plus one and a half. I like that bet. Buffalo over the Jets, minus two and a half. I have one thing to say. Go for it. Green Bay over Chicago, we should take it money line personal for the for the pod picks. Okay. Just because we're gonna get better odds. And then obviously you know, obviously if we're playing it money line, we'll also play it in the contest. And then our leans, we have to pick one bet out of these three leans. We have Jacksonville plus two and a half. Up, 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 up. That's wrong as hell. It's Jacksonville minus four and a half. Well, you know, this is what happens when I have to try and delete stuff out of your books in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, Jacksonville minus four and a half. <sighs> Philly minus three and a half. Right. That's so square, but it's right. How do the fucking Eagles not win by more than a field goal? I don't know. Dude, fuck it. Fade Bill Belichick, right? That, I mean, that's that's my thought process. But, but then I, the Tennessee handicap was so good. And Tennessee is plus three. And Tennessee is always within a touchdown or a field goal. All their games end in field goals. It's going to be a low-scoring game, and we get the hook. Worst case, we push. But we're going to feel like idiots if we don't bet on Philadelphia and they absolutely destroy the Patriots' butts like we imagine. Yeah, I imagine they will. I, I would be happy making either of these. I think Jacksonville doesn't make the cut. Jacksonville's out. It's too weird of a number for what we like. Philadelphia is like almost fishy, though. It's so good. Yeah, give me Philadelphia. What the hell? The Patriots are not good. Cool. I agree. Like, what are we doing here? They're bad. It's Mac Jones. You're afraid of Bill O'Brien with Mac Jones. I'm afraid of Bill O'Brien. That's 100% of this handicap. I'm afraid of Bill O'Brien against cover four. But I'm not that afraid. I was going to say, remember when we looked at that Eagles roster and you look at all their PFF grades and again, PFF grades, I know, but they're all just like glowing emerald green or Kelly green even. Mm, we're watching birds this week. They're they're fucking good. They're fucking good. All right, so who's our best bet? Let's on a count of three. Let's both say who we think mm. our best bet should be. Do you have it? No, let me let me consider. Right, go ahead and consider. I'm torn between two. I'm torn between two as well. All right, I figured. I know who I'm going to do. I figured it out. I'll tell you the one that I. That Why does I Oprah did. look younger now than when I was born? Plastic surgery. She's been getting that chromium or whatever the hell they call it, the child blood. Adenochrome. Sure. Adenochrome, something like that. I don't want to get demonetized. <laughs> 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 We're gonna get a whole lot of new fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're we'll saying who we want is our. You ready? Sure. Three, two, one. San Same Francisco. Friend. Yeah, I think that's who we should do. It's the one. I just think that they're they're a, a stable team because I worry that Buffalo could come out and lay a fucking dud. Jets are a good team. I'm worried that Green Bay Jordan Love could come out and be a worse version of Justin Fields. Justin Fields could run for 3,000 yards. San Diego, Miami. Miami is still a good team. With an incredible coach. Honestly, I think Miami, like, in a vacuum, might be a better team than San Diego. Take away the quarterbacks, it's not close. Right. Well, I mean, part of my saying Miami's better is that the coaching is better. But... if you give both of them Brock Purdy at quarterback, Miami wins by a lot. Yes, I agree. San Francisco is both better than Pittsburgh and has a better record of like just winning games they're supposed to outside of ones that their entire team gets hurt. Mike Tomlin is a good coach because he keeps his team motivated all the time. It's week one. Everybody's motivated as fuck. 
Shanahan's a good coach because if you give him time, he draws up crazy shit that you don't know how to stop. That we he has time. So it's just Shanahan and the 49ers have advantages in this game as far as motivation and coaching scheme and yada yada. Pittsburgh doesn't. And San Francisco's a better team. Yeah. And San Francisco plays a consistent kind of ball. And San Francisco's kind of on a mission because they feel like they got screwed out of the Super Bowl last year. And I think it, there's a key difference in the two in that both, you can say, have good defenses. Although I think it's clearly in San Francisco's favor. Yeah. You can only say one of these has a truly effective offense. Yeah. Even and if, that's San Francisco. <laughs> well, no, dude. Kenny Pickett was really good in the preseason. I do not give a singular fuck. That guy has looked bad almost every time he has played football. George Pickens is better than Justin Jefferson, says Ryan Clark. Insane. Ryan Clark wears nice suits, so he must not be a fucking moron. I like Pickens. I think he's so exciting. He's great. But but he's a lot more like A.J. Green than he is Justin Jefferson. Let's fucking relax. Justin yeah. Jefferson's like T.O. to A.J. Green. To, you know, T.O. Uh, is to Justin... No. T.O. is to A.J. Green as Justin Jefferson is to George Pickens. I think that's the analogy. There's a little bit of a brain teaser there. Well, I just can't speak well. <laughs> it's late. It's been a long week. It's like a verbal cup game. I started doing shots five hours ago. Six, seven hours ago. He's blackout drunk right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink and pick. I drink and then I sober up for a couple hours and then I pick. That's smart. All right. Uh, I think we got it. We got five picks and a best bet on San Francisco because of fucking course we do. So our best bet, San Francisco over Pittsburgh, minus two and a half. The other four bets, San Diego over Miami, minus two and a half. Green Bay over Chicago. We're taking money line, but Green Bay is plus one and a half. Buffalo over the New York Jets. Minus two and a half. And Philly over the New England Patriots. Minus three and a half. With leans on Tennessee, Kansas City, and then, oh, don't forget the fucking drop dead leg parlay. Correct. The drop dead leg parlay is Washington over Arizona and Jacksonville over Indianapolis. You parlay those bitches together and you get minus 106 odds on FanDuel. That's my favorite bet of the week, even more so than the San Francisco bet. Mm -hmm. And you have drop dead legs in Kansas City, minus six and a half, and Baltimore, minus ten. Probably Washington, minus seven, but that's scarier. Ooh, who can we use Baltimore to fucking nudge the odds on? Uh, Probably Philly. Philly! Yo, that's a real bet I'm making. I'm actually going to do that. Take Philly down to three, and then Baltimore minus, like, what, two and a half? I mean, they're at minus 10 right now. Yeah, dude, I'm just trying to get... I'm trying to move that line maybe 15 cents. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, that, that'll probably come out to, like, even odds. I'm totally down with that. So we have our five bets, lean to Tennessee, our fun parlay of Washington and Jacksonville, and then use Baltimore to buy some points and bring Philly down. Dope. Week this, one, man. A good week one pod. Hell yeah. All right. That's all we got for you. Uh, what's the phrase I usually say? He just waved at me. Yeah. Oh, Taylor Fade. Please, please bet on football games. That's what I usually say. It's been a minute. Sure. I was like, I don't know why you're asking me. I know you say Asta. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Asta. <laughs>